Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Verge Bonero Show. He's a husband, father, longtime public servant, and a political activist who puts patriotism before politics. CNN has called him the America's angriest mayor because he's always passionate about something. So without further ado, here's Verge Bonero. Well, thank you, Andy. You're welcome, Verge. It's been a crazy week. It's uh, just tough trying to keep up, keep up with it all. It's been nuts. It's incredible. Uh, it's going to be a great show. So if uh, you're lucky enough to be listening, you're in for a real treat. That's trick or a trick treat. or a treat. I, yeah. Whatever, whatever your <laughs> pick your poison. I want to remind you. I think her. it's a treat. You might call it a trick. Right. Uh, I guess by the end of the show, you'll figure it out. But we do have a lot to cover. And before we get to that, folks, if you guys want to call and ask Verge a question, a comment, you want to yell at Verge, he's Come open to it. 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. Ready. Just be uh, ready. I'm Italian. I mean, my mother was a bit of a, a very hey, expressive. Yeah. Very expressive. Yeah, so lots of mozzarella. Mozzarella. Arabaccia mia. Give me the pepperoni. Pronto per mangiare. See, that's better than Well, what I was my doing. friends, the impeachment train keeps rolling and things are not looking good for Donald Trump. Uh, the House has voted. It's official. Uh, I do not say this with glee, believe it or not. I know some of you don't. Um, I think it's a necessary evil. I guess mm-hmm. I look at. It, I wouldn't even call it an evil. I know Trump has called it a foul word and all that. It's it's a necessary element of our constitution, right. one that we all hope would never have to be used uh, against any president. I mean, we would we would as Americans, if we really are patriots, and I think most of us are, uh, we would hope that it would never be used. But the fact is, it's become a necessity. Uh, one of my first political memories I want to share with you as a young boy. Uh, a lot of you know that my, my aunt was a county commissioner and then clerk for life in Waterford, uh, Betty Fortino. Uh, we started off, you know, campaigning. It was a it was a family thing to do for a member of our family. But one of my first political memories beyond campaigning for Aunt Betty uh, was sitting in my mother and dad's room, staring up at the television set. Uh, at the time, they had the best set in their room, and that's what we used to call it. Of course, a television set. Right. I don't know why. Because you sat down. I don't know. Uh, And I remembered listening to Richard Nixon's resignation uh, before he was about to be impeached over the Watergate break-in and cover-up. That must have been... Uh, I didn't check the date. I'm sure it was 73. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was because he'd been reelected in 72. I think then in 73 was it was impeached and then Ford came in, was about to be impeached over the Watergate break in and cover up. I was nine years old and, of course, not exactly sure what was going on. My mom explained that President Nixon had broken the law and therefore had to leave the White House. She said in America, no one is above the law. That's right. That phrase has a certain weight to it a grand eloquence, something we'd all like to believe is true in America. And we all also know that, you know, you, 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 can, you, you can skirt the law, you can take a chance, you, you might not be entirely honest here or there, but, but eventually, if you break the law, the law, the long arm of the, uh, the, long arm of the law will catch up with you. Uh, and, and whether you're down at this level or up at this presidential level, you cannot just uh, thumb your nose at the law. Uh, like speeding, sometimes people get away with it. You say, well, I was going with the flow of traffic or I was going a little bit ahead of it. You might get away with it this week. But eventually, when you get that ticket, you know you can't complain because mm-hmm. the law will catch up. In America, where some people say the golden rule has become he who has the gold makes the rules, some of us have become cynical about whether there is any liberty and justice for all. Is it just 
for for us, the middle and lower class folks, or is it for all? Is the law for all? Is no one above the law? Does you know he who has the gold? The, the can the filthy rich avoid? Uh, I think we've become very cynical about our politicians, our public officials, believing that many, perhaps most, are dishonest, craven creatures who will say anything to get elected and or stay in office. Uh, And then enter Donald Trump, perhaps the most cynical of all, (laughs) elected to drain the swamp. He has debased, I believe, he has debased our politics further and farther down than I ever thought possible. And we're going to have some proof of that here shortly. Uh, We're going to remind you, we're going to show you the kinds of things he says and does. Uh, He refuses to be held accountable for his actions. He's always talking about how great he is or how bad his opponents are. Notice the extremes. It's always, he is phenomenal. He is great. He is on top of the world. And anybody who dares speak up against him is just low life. With Trump, it's always deflection, diversion, and distraction. Deflection, diversion, and distraction. I challenge you to pay attention to this man when his lips are moving. Deflection, diversion, or distraction. It's one of the three. Look over here. No, over there. Look over here. It's a strategy, I guess. Trump and his comrades over at Fox Noise. That's right. Oh, that's Fox right. Noise. That's Fox good. Noise. That's good. Uh, you know, there's also Talk Radio that you can listen to. <laughs> it's always someone else's fault. If there's a problem, it must be Obama's fault. Or, of course, Hillary. They're, they're still dragging out the—I'm the, 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 uh, not going to say—they're uh, they're still dragging out the costume or the, the, the uh, skeleton uh, in this season. You know, they're trying to grab out, grab out uh, uh, Hillary as though she's on the ticket again. I think they—in fact, Republican sites, I've noticed, have been talking about, oh, Hillary is waiting in the wings. Hillary, oh, you know, scary Hillary. She might be coming. She might be running. She could run as an independent. They're trying to keep the ghost of Hillary— Alive. And look, God love her. She ran. She gave her best. She's given so much to this country. She started the debate about health care. I give her credit. She, I believe, mm-hmm. is if we've made any progress in health care, it's because Hillary started the discussion as first lady. And I give her credit for that. She was an activist in the in the spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt. And you can and you can uh, pillory Hillary all you want. You can try, but you're not going to convince me because she fought for what she believed in. Okay, and she tried and she ran. She didn't make it. All right, she's off the stage. I got news for you, Rush. Elvis has left the building. Hillary ain't coming back. You don't have Hillary to kick around anymore. And that's the problem. And, of course, whatever is wrong, so it's Hillary. And then now, of course, it's Biden. Biden and his son. Never mind the misdeeds of Trump. It's Biden and his son, even though there, there isn't anything. There's no there there. As they say, where's the beef? Where's the Where's beef? the beef? We should have had that clip ready. But this impeachment, Mr. President, and this election, should should you be around to stand for it as a candidate in 2020, this impeachment, this election is not going to be about Biden, what he did or didn't do. It's not going to be about Hillary, what she did or didn't. It ain't going to be about Benghazi. Here's the trouble for you, Mr. President. This impeachment and this election, should you stand for it in 2020, is all about you. It is about you, Donald Trump, Donald John Trump. What have you done? What have you done good and what have you done bad? It is a, it is a referendum on you and nobody else. And that's why you are in so much trouble. And that's why you stand for the three Ds, diversion, deflection, and distraction. Because the last thing you want is the spotlight on you. And that's virtual reality. My mother told me as a nine-year-old boy, No one is above the law. In America, no one is above the law. That's what this impeachment is about.
You Democrats, you Republicans, you independents, that's what this impeachment is about. Do we have a law that applies to everybody, or is the president above the law? His attorneys are arguing in court right now, in a variety of different venues, variety of courts, in which he's trying to be, people are trying to hold him accountable. He's broken so many laws. And his attorneys are arguing that, in fact, the president is the law. Remember good old Boss Tweed? I don't know if you ever used to watch on one of those shows. Uh, he thought he was the law. He said, I am the law. Uh, Donald Trump believes, and his attorneys are arguing, that as president, he can't break the law. It's impossible, because he is the, he's the embodiment of the law. You can go down Fifth Avenue, Verge. And this is what I don't understand. Those of you who continue to support this lawlessness... You, you, you must have missed something in grade school and middle school. It's government and history. We fought a revolution about this. Uh, anyway, we have a great show for you. In addition to the impeachment update, we're going to talk to a longtime Democratic political pro turned entrepreneur, Colin Schwartz. Cullen Schwartz, who helped found an exciting new company, Done Good, the Amazon of socially and environmentally conscious purchasing. Uh, an incredible new company. And as the holiday season approaches, we really think you should take a look at this. Um, so uh, stay tuned. It's going to be very exciting if he ever gets a chance to talk. I don't know, Colin, if you're listening, because uh, I got a lot to say. We got a lot, lot going on. There's a lot going on. Uh, the impeachment train is rolling, as I said, and Speaker Nancy Pelosi continues to take her job as conductor of the impeachment train very seriously, cognizant of her vital role and responsibility and place in history. The House is moving into the more public phase of the impeachment process now, right now. They just voted today, uh, by pretty much along party lines, mm -hmm. uh, to go ahead with the formal impeachment inquiry. And this was something the Republicans, as you'll know, uh, have been demanding. Uh, even though there is no question that everything's been done legally and above board, the, the Constitution is clear that the impeachment process is a prerogative of the House. It's, it's uh, up to the Speaker to determine. And again, we talked about this uh, with Professor Kalt about the process, the fact that the impeachment it, it happens in the House. It, it's essentially an indictment. The House, the Speaker, the House committees, they are the prosecutor. And the jury phase comes, the deciding phase, in the Senate. That's where the president gets to be heard. That's where he can stake his claim and he can make his argument. Uh, this is the prosecution. This is the indictment. This is where the president will be formally charged uh, with articles of, of impeachment, with misconduct. Um, so, yes, there will be a modicum uh, of, of process, and that process has been laid out and voted on. And this is the third time in modern history that the House has taken a vote to launch impeachment. It's... You know, as a political observer, of course, as a student of politics, it's fascinating. As a citizen of these United States, it's sad. Mm -hmm. It's sad. You know, I, I don't have to like the guy. I don't, obviously. But it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I guess I'm excited in the sense of being uh, uh, disturbed by it um, and, uh, and, and fascinated for in, a, in a political student sense. But for our democracy, for America, as a patriotic American, it's a sad time to, to think that our, our, our leader is going to be indicted. And it's, it's funny you mention that, because uh, you mentioned at the beginning that when you were a young boy, you saw Nixon resigning. I, my first memory of anything I saw on television that was political was the televised event of Bill Clinton, um, you know, telling the American people— The witch hunt? 
the, against witch, Clinton? the witch hunt against. You know, Clinton. the funny thing is, when Clinton, when all that was going on, and my daughter was a youngster, uh-huh. I never heard, uh, I never cried witch hunt as a Democrat. I had voted for Clinton. That, I, I thought yeah. that I thought the impeachment was you know over overkill, but I never. Went after the. I didn't say this is a hoax. No, we. I knew it was the charges were real. Clinton had done some things wrong. Yeah, and there was a legitimate debate taking place. I didn't try. Yeah. To, I didn't try to upset the apple cart. I didn't try to say that the whole this is un-American. Mm-hmm. It, it's part of the Constitution. Clinton had to be atoned. He had to take an atonement for what he had done. He apologized. He was called, and and the process worked. He was impeached, but not convicted. Right. And in, in in my household, we were a Democratic household. And I remember asking my parents, why is the president going through all this? I didn't understand. And my parents said, we have the right as American citizens to know the truth. Why can't why can't today's Republicans why are they cowed by this man? Why can't they stand up and say, by God, and I know a couple, just a couple of them are mm-hmm. and Romney among them. Uh, Mitt Romney, uh, whose father was, you know, governor of Michigan. Uh, why can't more of them come forward and say, "Yes, let's get to the truth. It's important. The truth matters. Yeah. It's vital." More and more whistleblowers are bravely coming forward to add their testimony to the record of Trump's actions and intent with regard to his obsessive campaign to pressure the Ukrainian president into launching a damaging investigation into Trump's political opponent, Biden. What? What Trump did and is pretty much admitted to doing mm-hmm. is outrageous, inappropriate, and illegal. The response from Trump and his team is to attack and attempt to disparage the career professionals and patriots of the State Department and Defense Department, or any department, who dare to have the temerity to speak out against his royal highness. And this is, again, my challenge to my Republican brothers and sisters. When he attacks all these folks as part of some deep state conspiracy, I think it's a deep state of patriotism. I think I don't have to agree with all these people. You know, the Brennans of the world and the John Kellys of the world and the McMasters. Look, I don't. And frankly, I don't know if they're Republican or Democrat. I might disagree or disagree, uh, agree with how they conducted themselves. But I believe they're patriotic Americans. Mattis with Trump. As soon as they leave the White House, then they're an SOB. Mm-hmm. Then there's somebody. Oh, no. As soon as they say one word against Trump, I, I just don't understand how good Americans can accept that. You know, patriots, look at this latest attack. Uh, Trump has ditched all the so-called adults in the room. He has surrounded himself with weak-kneed cronies and groupies who tell him what he wants to hear and to do his bidding. So uh, let's listen to General Kelly. Kelly was there. He was one of the last adults in the room uh, to be pushed out. And he did what he could to try to keep things right. But, but uh, here's General Kelly uh, talking about President Trump. I said, whatever you do, don't don't hire a yes man, someone that's going to tell you, uh, or it won't tell you the truth. Don't do that, because if you do, I believe you'll be impeached. And of course, his his fatalistic words—that's exactly what's happened. Uh, he did not take General Kelly's advice, one of the mm-hmm. last adults in the room, uh, and so he's got—he's surrounded with psychophants. People that tell him what, you know, we all like to hear what we like to hear, don't sure we? Sure do. I mean, I mean, I love to hear how good I am. But, you know, when I was mayor of Lansing for 12 years, uh, I, I could never seem to get these psychophants. I always got people that got lippy with me. I always had people, in, in, by the way, including my wife of 30 years, I, I can't get people to just tell me what I want to hear. I, I, I look for them, but I end up with people who want to debate with me. And you know what? I was a better mayor because of it. And I'm a better man because of it. Mm-hmm. Because my I don't have yes people at home, and I never had yes people in the office. And I would have 
have made a lot more mistakes. And I'm not saying I didn't make any, but I would have made a lot more mistakes if I hadn't had a chief of staff and a chief operating officer and a finance director and a police chief and a fire chief who argued with me. They argued with me. I'd come in and say, I want to do this, and we got to do this, and we got to do it now. I'm trying to run a city here. I'm trying to keep people safe. I'm trying to grow a city. But those folks, we ended up with better policy and better packages and better progress for the city because when everybody's involved, you get a better, yeah, maybe it didn't happen as fast, but we got more things done in the right way. He's going off cockamamie on all these crazy things because he doesn't have the John Kelly. He doesn't have anybody there who's willing to stand up to him. And I don't know if we, if we before Brennan, I don't know if you ever got the clip, but his press secretary, I have the quote, his press secretary, Stephanie Grisham, in response to Kelly, said, before we hear from uh, Mr. Brennan, his press secretary said, I worked with John Kelly. So she attempts to discredit General Kelly. She, who is a virtual nothing in her career compared to John Kelly, Stephanie Grisham says, I worked with John Kelly and he was totally unequipped to handle the genius of our great president. John wow. Kelly, you see, the problem, Andy, the problem isn't Trump. The problem is the guy, John Kelly, a career right. uh, military guy, uh, he just couldn't, he couldn't in his little pea brain understand the depth and the breadth of Trump's genius. What a maroon. And of course, Trump has told us how many times that he is a very stable genius. Genius. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trump has told us. So by now we should know. We should know. That obviously anybody that would see this is language of a dictator. I know we're running long. This is, but we this has to be done. This is language of a dictator. I want people to understand. You know, and if you want to argue with it, go ahead, try. This is language that dictators use all over. Mm -hmm. uh, recently, uh, former Senator Cohen from—we uh, don't have the, the, the clip. I just am throwing this at you. Uh, Senator, former Senator Cohen of Maine, former Republican senator, said, read 1984 again. Read, read, you know, read some books in 1984 because that's what we're living through. This is a dictator wannabe. Uh, seriously, this is the language of a dictator. Uh, Team Trump's attack. Now, lately, there's a new law. As I said, whistleblowers are coming out. Uh, testimonies being taken. Team Trump's attack on Lieutenant Colonel Vinman. Uh, Vinman uh, was the uh, White House national security guy attached to uh, to the White House to to uh, monitor national affairs. And he was on that phone call. He listened in on the phone call uh, or was there to, I guess, help translate a decorated and still serving career military officer. These attacks on now Colonel Vinman is a represent a new low. Since they cannot answer the clear, convincing and damning evidence against the president, they are instead launching a smear campaign against anyone who dares to call the emperor naked. Now, I think this is a very dangerous move on the part of Trump and his team. I think they run the risk of losing military support and military families when they attack decorated mm -hmm. people in uniform. They will go after anybody, whether it's General uh, General Kelly, and the president had some unflattering things to say about him. He's attacked General Mattis, you know, and, and now going after Colonel Vindman. Uh, yeah. So anybody... In uniform or out is a potential target if you stand up to Trump. And I think that these military families, which was a big part of a base of his support that he's been proud of. Uh, let's let's listen to former CIA director Brennan. Uh, former CIA director Brennan was asked about this, and I and he was so eloquent. I really want you to hear this in case you missed it. This is a guy who served under Democrats and Republicans. This is not a Democrat. He has served under Democrat and Republican presidents, and he is deeply disturbed by where this president is taking us from a rhetorical standpoint. Well, um, I think everybody should be quite proud of someone like Colonel Vindman. 
And frequently it is th those citizens who are citizens not by birth, but by choice, that really understand the responsibilities of citizenship. It's not just the rights and privileges that go along with it, it's the responsibilities. And unfortunately, I think we have somebody in the White House right now who fears people who are willing to speak out about what is wrong and be able to expose the, I think, the corruption that is going on right now. So um, I have, for the last three years, spoken out because I believe that Mr. Trump is unworthy of the office of the presidency. Having served the six presidents, three Democrat and three Republican, I was always very proud of having served for them. I didn't agree with a lot of their policies, but I always felt that they were doing what they thought was in the best interest of this country. But unfortunately, I think Mr. Trump has shown time and time again that he has a very personal political agenda that he's going to pursue. And unfortunately, too many individuals, including elected representatives in Congress, are willing to give him a pass on things that are wholly inappropriate, wholly inconsistent with the, the trust that the American people have put into Mr. Trump's hands. So I, I think uh, we're going to see, in fact, maybe more examples of bravery and, and courage that we have seen in the past uh, couple of weeks as people have gone up to Congress defying the direction about not appearing, but saying this is too important to allow uh, the individuals who are taking advantage of the great trust that we have put in them. John My Brenner, former CIA director, sir, thank you for my friends, uh, that was uh, former CIA Director Brennan, and I couldn't have said it any better. Th this is a time for all Americans to come to the aid of your country. This is a time for you to dig deep and uh, reach for the patriotism and not the partisanship. We all love this country. This guy, I never knew if he was a Democrat or Republican. To believe the Trump machine, that anybody that comes out against him is a never-Trumper, what, is that? what does that mean? You can't discount what they're saying. You can't continue to make allowance for this. If you love this country, you've got to stand up for our rules, our values, the morals, the things that built this country. Now is the time. And, and I'm going to predict right here and now that this attack on, on uh, the colonel and others, career people who love this country, patriots, that it's going to backfire. Yeah. I think it's reached a point. I think the American people have had it. And, and these people, these decorated war heroes and others, they are, I think, more credible than Donald Trump. Donald Trump has told so many lies. I really think he's he's kind of used it up. He, 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 he's used up all of the, uh, the sand in the hourglass. He's used up all of his chits. He's used up all of his chances, all of his nine lives. I think the American people are going to see this for what it is, a desperate and dire last-ditch effort to save Trump at all costs without regard to any norms. Uh, vicious personal attacks against patriots and heroes by the likes of Trump and his lackeys at Fox Noise. I think it's going to turn veterans and those serving uh, against the president. I want you to l take a look at the president, what the president himself tweeted on Twitter. Uh, look at this nonsense that he says. The never-Trumper Republicans, though, on respirators with not many left, what's he, what, what is he babbling about, are in certain ways worse and more dangerous for our country than the do-nothing Democrats. Watch out for them. They are human scum. Jeez. Now, again, my friends, my brothers and sisters, Democrat and Republican, when have you ever, who talks like this? What he's doing in vilifying his opponents, human scum. This is, I dare say, this is Hitler-esque. This is Hitler-esque language. When you trying to create the other and trying to make your opponents less than human, we've got to speak out against that. We, we can't allow that to go unanswered.
Now, you can, I've heard people, Andy, too many times, some of my friends, oh, well, you know, that's just Trump being Trump. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's the president of the United States. And I reject it. And I challenge you to reject it. And yes, it's worth getting mad about. Yes, I'm mad as hell. I don't think our president should be talking about his political opponent. He has vilified the press. He's called the press that and worse. When Thomas Jefferson said that if he had to choose between a government without newspapers or newspapers without government, he wouldn't hesitate to choose the latter. That's how important newspapers are. And all he does is constantly attack the press. You allowed that. You put up with that. Now he's calling people in military and patriots human scum. When will you speak out? When will you send a message to the White House? When will you call the White House? When will you send a telegram to the White House? When will you call your congressman and say, we don't support a president who acts like this, who behaves like this? Yes, I'm worked up about it, and you should be too. This is America, for God's sakes. Where have you been? Get off the couch, America. It's time to be outraged, yes, and act like an American. You know. There's nothing wrong with a little outrage. And nothing. people, and I'll be criticized, oh, he's he's off the deep end, oh, he's passionate. Yes, I'm passionate about it. I'm not going to go out and do anything crazy, but I'm saying get off the couch, write a letter, make a phone call, for God's sakes. This is unacceptable. This is un-American behavior. And now my prediction, and then we'll have Cullen. Then we'll have Cullen. But now my prediction. Mm -hmm. As his polls continue to sink, Trump's congressional support is going to erode. The president is going to become a liability which the Republicans must either flush or they will be punished next November. I, am, I believe we are talking about an epic landslide against this president and what has become the Republican brand. He is destroying the Republican brand. And if you're a Republican and you care about it, you better do something about it. He's even trying to take down Pence. Mm -hmm. He's trying to take down Pence. He's trying to say, because he's, try, he's trying to say to the Republicans, man, if you let me go, uh, you'll have Pelosi. Pelosi could end up. She's third in line for the president, after mm -hmm. all. Uh, he, he's trying to implicate Pence. He's saying Pence had meetings with the Ukrainians, too. You should really look at that. But my prediction is that uh, Trump will not survive this. He will not survive this. And I believe that it will be the Republican—you heard it here first—it will be the Republicans who take him down. Because they're, they're holding on to him out of fear. They're not holding on because they love the guy. The guy has no friends. Nixon actually had some friends. Mm -hmm. When Barry Goldwater went to the White House to tell Nixon it was time to give up the ghost, I think he generally was hurt. Nixon had friends. Trump has no friends. They're strictly operating in fear. And as soon as those poll numbers show the turn that I believe is developing, just like I said the midterms were going to be a disaster for the Republicans. And they kept saying, oh, no, no. I said, people, the jury is in. I said, the jury's in. And Trump is out. They, they can't stand Trump. And they voted against Trump. There's nothing to like about this, this, this whole Trumpism, this move to Trump. And I'm telling you, the American people are moving. There's never been this much support for impeachment at this phase. They haven't even gotten the evidence yet. Nope. And the polls are growing for impeachment. Yes, it's a sad time. Yes, it's a somber time. But I'm talking about the politics now. And you Republicans uh, better get with it because this is your brand. You're led that tweet talking about human scum. That's your leader. Wouldn't be my leader. It'd be nobody I'd put up with. If my leader was talking like that, I would have long since distanced myself. I would have long since spoken up. I don't give a shit. Democrat, Republican, I'm not going to be represented by somebody like that. But you Republicans, you proudly continue to support him. But for not much longer, when the polls shift, those Congress people are going to drop like flies. Mm -hmm. And they will, they will be 
moving to promote Vice President Pence. Pence will become the standard bearer. You heard it here first. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll see what Colin Schwartz has to say. From Dungood. I'll tell you what happened. Good day, Morty. I got the Szechuan sauce. We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the original blue Power Ranger. Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Well, your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop-In with Gerald Valley. All right, you're back on the Verge Bernero show. Uh, I'm trying to get some water in here. Somebody got me worked up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Andy, you said on the break that uh, you had a number for us. I, I do have a number, Verge. As of uh, October 14th of this year, the president has made 13,435 false or misleading statements. Uh, that is up from August 12th, which was at about 12,000. Oh, now come on, Andy. Don't all politicians lie. This is a bit absurd. And I, I mean, it's way beyond. It's, it way is. Beyond. It's way beyond absurd. And here, the, the, the crazy thing is, it's become the norm. Nobody really cares anymore because it's just like Trump told yeah. a lie. Water, well, how can wa- you tell when Trump water's is- wet. Yeah, it's the old adage. Blue. It's the Who old cares? adage. How can you tell when Trump is lying when his lips are moving? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and again, nothing to be proud of. Well, now uh, our we're going to have the introduction of an amazing new company. Uh, I say new, uh, new to many, um, and one of our partners here at the Verge Show, Done Good, and its founder, Cullen Schwartz. Colin Schwartz, recovering politico, entrepreneur extraordinaire, former campaign janitor, and all-around renaissance man. Uh, I'm hoping that Colin is ready to be Skyped in. Colin is getting Skyped or in right or now. he's calling in. Um, and, you know, the, some of the last polls that I saw for impeachment, it was well over 50% of Americans in favor of, of impeachment. Yeah, I'm trying gonna, to find... In our next show, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and, by, of course, by then it might be over. But we're going to uh, we're gonna get those numbers. We're going to compare it to all former impeachment efforts. Uh, I think we now have Cullen Swartz uh, on the line, so to speak, on Skype. That looks like you, sure. Cullen. A little, little grayer than I remember. Yeah, that happens, doesn't it? I, <laughs> you're a little grayer than I remember when I knew you 15 years ago, too, man. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Uh, yeah, so in the interest of full disclosure, you, you used to be in Michigan. Then you took That's off. Cool. You did a bunch of stuff here. Uh, you, were, you were Debbie Stabenow's PR uh, press secretary uh, and uh, who knows what else, uh, political stuff. And then you were, yeah. you were uh, PR guy for the federal government for Vilsack, uh, Department of Agriculture. Yep. Then I remember you went to Boston. You got some, uh, I don't know, they enticed you there to Harvard. Was it Harvard? It was Harvard. Yeah, we uh, uh, done good. Our, our startup at the time, which was just an idea, we applied and we got into 
Harvard's uh, iLab, the innovation lab, the uh, startup program, the uh, incubator program there. So that was a good opportunity. So yeah, so, so I, I moved called, on up to Boston. And that, but although you're not in Boston now, uh, you're, nope. you're now, now based in Denver. You went to cool Denver. You had to go to Denver to, to be ultra cool. Boston is one thing, but Denver, Denver is the capital of cool. That's right. I well, mean, and, I mean, and next to Lansing. now we're under we're under a damn foot of snow, and it's in the twenties here. Oh my gosh, boy, it's yeah. balmy, sunny here in Lansing, Michigan. You Good, yeah, you're, you're lucky, man. I tell you, I grew up in northern Michigan. I should be used to snow, but not really. I don't, I don't want to be accused of being early. Trumpy, and it's not it's not really sunny here. Um, yeah, the the forecast does call for snow tonight, but <sighs> not not until the evening. Come on, when the I was told we shouldn't out. use dirty four letter words here. I'm sorry. And snow is definitely snow right is there. an awful word so, here. So, Colin, I described uh, done good as the Amazon of uh, socially and ecologically friendly purchasing. But help to right. help to put a fine point on that. What what is and I and I started to say an app the the the, the done good app. I want people to understand because I'm, I'm I want a long term relationship, personal and professional, with done good, um, yeah. because I do uh, of course worry about our planet and I do want people to be treated fairly. I don't and and I think with purchasing and, and you told me this and I I, I got to admit I had not thought about it. I mean I thought about it here and there now and again. It's it's a fleeting thought. You buy something, you might think you know depending on what it is. Is if it's a big purchase, um, you know we're getting more. Maybe people have started to pay more attention because we're hearing about plastics in the air. You know we hear about. Uh, you, you read a story about uh, denim workers in a denim factory breathing and, and, and not having good air quality in another country, and yet we get cheap jeans. And I think a lot. Well, of yeah, and, and being paid low wages, yeah, or so I think, you know these massive global supply chains that have child labor, and frankly, it's slavery, traffic labor. I mean, slavery is still a hundred fifty billion dollar global industry. And unfortunately, with some of these big corporations, these supply chains are so big, they don't know what's going on in all these factories all over the world. You know, it's not like there's not a H&M factory, you know, somewhere. So, They're just it's contracts upon subcontracts, these huge, huge global supply so chains. Gonna, so I want to hear yeah, more about stuff that. Is so, made so by, the funny thing is people my yeah. age, a lot of us, if we re, if we recycle, it's because of our kids. You know, my mm -hmm. kids, I wear seatbelts because of my kids. Because I grew up, we didn't wear seatbelts. I stood on the on the I stood in the front seat of the '69 LeSabre that my parents had, big blue LeSabre, uh, Buick, of course. But uh, uh, you know, nowadays, but but my kids forced me because they grew up. I always put them in a seatbelt, and then when they could talk, they made me put a seatbelt on. And they're always on the cutting edge of social responsible and so on. And now here right. you are, although not one of my kids, uh, but you just about could be. Um, so what is the deal? What made you go this route? I've heard you say that you believe that, uh, you know, it's great that people are politically active and this and that. And you've all obviously are political activists. But you yeah. came to believe at some point, you came to believe and understand that the money, the decisions we make with what's in our pocket. I got my money clip here. The decisions we make about where to spend and how to spend, that that actually, if we could get it organized, would be a perhaps a, the biggest political movement that we could make. Yes, I think that is absolutely true. For those of us who care about social justice, income equality, climate change, who we give our money to is uh, potentially more impactful than you know other other things that we're doing. Now, look, I still yeah, I used to work in politics, like you said. I still think public policy is critically important. I still think everyone should vote. I'm about to vote in some local school board elections here in Denver. You know, I so did it this morning. It's all it's I didn't all get my important. sticker. I didn't get my sticker. I voted. I voted this morning. Sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> but 
Look, Americans gave $5 billion to political campaigns in 2016. Last year, we gave $400 billion to charities, all the charities, $400 billion. A lot of money, and that's really important, too. A lot of great nonprofits doing work. I don't want people to stop donating. But we spent, you know, so we gave $400 billion to all the charities. We spent $130 trillion buying stuff. And so, you know, that is a huge wealth of resources. And if we can divert just a fraction of that to help reduce poverty, create greater income equality, fight climate change, I think that is potentially the world's most powerful force for change. We vote for president once every four years, but we're voting with our wallet every time we give someone a dollar, because every time we give them a dollar, it helps them continue do what, to do so what they're doing. You, you and if they're a- adding to climate change, we're helping them add to climate so change. Words, if they're being part of the part of the solution and combating climate change, showing that businesses can move to more eco-friendly systems or they're paying living wages, then we're voting for that. We're helping more of that to exist. It, it's a supply and demand economy. Consumers have all the power. Whatever we demand, the market will supply. And traditionally, you know, what do we, we demand a quality product and a good price and all that. But increasingly, more and more, people are also demanding that businesses share their values, that and, businesses are yeah. environmentally responsible and are paying a good wage. The more we support those businesses, the more that's what exists in the world. You say it very eloquently, uh, as you always did uh, for me, for Debbie, for uh, Vilsack. Um, yeah, you know, you didn't mention that. You were mentioning my political career. I also was... Uh, your campaign, Verge's campaign manager when he won, when he became mayor, and then your uh, communications director on that governor's race that we don't need to talk about. But, <laughs> right, that's uh, right. So, so in essence, I was a campaign manager when you became mayor. I, I, I made Verge Bernero into what he is today. Right? <laughs> it, it's all you. You heard it here, folks. Yes. Colin is responsible yes. for all of Verge's success. Wait, wait, wait. Do I want to do, do I want to take responsibility for that? Wait, maybe never yes, mind. Especially, yeah. especially that loss in the gubernatorial. That, that, you can you can have that. You kidding, open that box, kidding, Colin. Kidding. It's all yours. Yeah. So, so this is why I think that this is a Marriage Made in Heaven, The Verge Show, and Done Good, uh, is that I I am challenging folks, Colin, to get off the couch, okay, that more than anything. Like, frankly, yeah. you know, I don't. I have Republican friends and family, so I'm not out to vilify the opposition. Uh, I mean, and, and you don't have to vilify Trump. He does it to himself. But, but uh, you know, I want a dialogue, and I want more than a dialogue. I want action. You know, I've talked about right. doing more than just bloviate. I want to activate. I want to motivate. I want people to get off the couch, get involved. Yep. And, and, and again, I, I'm of the belief, I know not everybody uh, operates this way, but I want people active. I think a democracy requires that. So the fact that, but I love what you're saying is in that, you know, the political stuff, you might do that, you know, once a month. I mean, for you and I more often, but people might get involved politically. I mean, they go vote, but the decisions, but they're buying Almost every day, almost every right. day, they're maybe exactly. having a coffee. Go, you know, people will go buy a five dollar, four dollar cup of coffee. They'll go here, they'll go there. Do they know? How do they know? And I believe, exactly. I believe it could be a far more than a fraction, Colin. I actually really believe in your mission. And again, I think even us late adopters like myself, where again, it maybe took my kids to get me. Hey, you know, hey, you know, knock on the side of the head, or you know, again, these articles now that are coming out uh, so much in the environment in, in, in terms of what we're breathing, what we're eating, the drink. I mean, what's going on with our drinking water? Uh, you can't yep. take anything for granted. We need to be more active. So I want to get into the nuts and bolts of how Done Good operates and why people should trust. Imagine if you could go to one source and know that if I run if I run my purchasing decisions through Done Good, then I know I'm doing good every day. And so how does right. that work? Yep. Yep. No. And that's and so that's the thing for me. You know, as I was working in politics and fighting for. Uh, you know, economic equality and, and fighting against climate change and things like that. I realize, though, that, you know, that I'm getting a paycheck for that work, too, but that I'm giving that money away to, 
to people potentially who on often often cases are working against the things I'm fighting for on Capitol Hill. And, and, right? and by the way, I'm so, sorry to interrupt but, you. I'm sorry to interrupt you because I asked you a question, but yeah. but I, I want to say like this will. I'm used to it, Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> this will break out like periodically, sporadically. You'll hear, oh, uh, the owners of this company or that hamburger <clears> chain, <throat> you know, they did this wrong, and you'll hear about a boycott, like a pop up boycott. Oh, let's teach them a lesson, and it just seems so sporadic and so hit and miss. And I think it's right. largely miss. And so one of the things that I like about Done Good, the idea that I could get an app on my phone and count on that that if you guys give it the seal of approval, the blessing, right. that I know, like you say, I don't have to guess, and it's there every day in my decision making. Yep, and, and that's but that's the thing, right? So I realized I wanted to divert my spending and make sure I was spending with companies that I thought shared my beliefs and were supporting the things I'm fighting for. And I found that it was, but it's really hard. How are you supposed to know? Like you said, and you, you know, you, you look around online, you take hours of research and it, it takes a long time to buy one thing. And that's what studies show that that's the, the time and effort that it takes. That's the biggest barrier for people shifting to more conscious uh, consumerism. And so we said, well, how do we make this really easy. And so first of all, we're we're doing the research for you, right? So we're we're screening companies, making sure they're paying living wages, making sure that they're uh, highly uh, environmentally sustainable, uh, and then putting them all in one place and making a really easy experience. So on Done Good, you mentioned that the app. We do have an app, also just our, our website, donegood.co, donegood.co. Um, you can instantly search hundreds of partner brands. We're adding new partners all the time. We're up over 200 plus now, and it's you know clothing, home goods, uh, beauty supplies, all all manner of things. We're really working to be, like you mentioned, uh, as Forbes called us, the Amazon for good, where folks can come and it's quick and it's easy and you can find, you know, a, 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 as we grow more and more things, anything you want to buy eventually uh, and know that your purchase uh, is is making the world better. Well, we intend to promote that. And, and let me just give you a little branding. I know you're a PR and branding expert. Colin. you know, I've seen on a lot of these shows what would be good is if over your shoulder you had a little logo on the wall that said, the, the little seal that said, I'm, see, I'm trying to embarrass him now. As I'm trying to show teacher and student, you know, for the listeners who are, you know, my, uh -huh. uh, so if it said done good, like your little logo right there. And, and, and a lot of times people are putting their websites so they could say donegood.co, right well, over so your shoulder, right I would next to your that face. That See, the way they do it, uh, the way they... notch video podcast would have the ability to put that on the screen, you know, digitally for me. But sure, I could throw up a sign on the wall. For yeah, well, I mean, it's because it's, it's supposed to be subtle. Like, it's a subtle little thing. Right. Oh, uh, sure. but we're, we're going to get all this right because uh, I we are going to promote you. I think it's great. Not that you need it, but I think it's great. I believe Of course it. we do. I'm going to. No, look, we need to grow this I, thing more and I'm more gonna, and make I'm it a more and more powerful movement. And I'm going to push you to make sure you got the things that I care about. We have a caller on the line, Colin. I don't know if it's for you or for me. Uh, we're going to, this is experimental. We're going to take a caller who is Carol. Carl Lassler is on the line with us. Carol, what's up? Hey, uh, Mr. Mayor, how are you? I am well. How are you? Oh, it's great. I just wanted to say I, I think you're the cutest resistance cheerleader in all the landing. Thank you. It's great to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> you set well, those up. Like, Carl, we're just stop and take a call. We're just gonna stop and take a compliment it said for Carl, real quick. It said Carl Lasler, and you know it kind of sounded like Carl from Jimmy Neutron, to be honest with you. <laughs> Carl Weezer. Right, right. So, uh, so you you went, to, uh, Colin. You went to Denver from Boston. Uh, yeah. What is up in Denver? 
uh, in the, the Mile High City. And uh, what is up for the holidays? What can we look forward to, uh, you know, particularly over the holidays? How can we help you and make sure that people have good uh, choices uh, yep. for the holidays? Because people like to, I mean, people like to do a lot of online ordering. You know, no fuss, no muss. Everybody wants it simple. Uh, I love yep. the idea of the app. Um, but uh, so where do we send people and how's this going to work over the holidays? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously during the holidays, it's even more critical if if our theory of change is that, you know, diverting dollars to brands that are making the world better helps to make a positive impact. And like you said, when you said, I don't need the promotion, of course we do. I mean, the idea is to grow this into a to a bigger and bigger movement to one, make brands that are doing the right thing more successful Two, encourage more people to want to start companies like that. But three, you're seeing this happen in the marketplace already slowly. But big corporations are finally getting on the stick and realizing that consumer sentiment uh, is shifting in this direction. And so you see things like, you know, even in 2011, less than 15 percent of Fortune 500 companies were doing a corporate or social responsibility report every year. Now, almost 90 percent are. Now, what are they what are they doing? It's not it's not good enough. But, you know, still they're they know that people are watching. They know that impact investing is on the rise. They know that people are trying to screen for impact in their uh, in their investment portfolio as well. So the more that we can demonstrate that there's consumer demand for doing the right thing, the more even major companies start to change slowly. And ultimately, I mean, the real dream for Done Good is once we have you know millions of followers, we can march into corporate boardrooms and say, hey, look, uh, we'd like you to improve your impact in 90 days in ways X, Y, and Z. Okay, you know, so, your wages so, are low yeah, here. You've got some slave labor in your supply chain yeah. there. You're bad for the environment this way. In 90 days, we're going to let our 3 million followers either know that you did it and applaud you for it, or let them know that you refused. Let us know. You know, I mean, that's the kind of power that consumers so have. And ultimately, with, with gridlock in D.C. the way it is, that's ultimately why I quit that career to get into this, because I just, uh, so you can I'm not sure we can count on D.C. to you, be the to be the savior. We well, need to keep them working down there, hold the feet to the fire there, but we got to start working in other ways, too. Well, I heard you say that the, the consumer could be, is the ultimate decision maker, that the market will respond surprisingly yep. quickly, whereas the political process takes a lot of time. And I, I certainly, we're not ready to say you give up on it, but in a sense, no. this, is, this is a way to kind of end run and go directly yes. through the consumer we, uh, to, right. to, to put the appropriate pressure. I mean, we saw the Amazon recently. We saw the fires at the Amazon. Now everybody's obsessed, of course, and we're concerned about our, our brothers and sisters in California, the fires there. But we saw yeah. the, the burning of the Amazon, uh, and we, we know that so much good comes out of there. I mean, how do you, at, and we got a little time left here, Colin, how do you keep track of that type of thing? I mean, and, 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 and are you evaluating what you look at? For example, I mean, as people, uh, the Amazon is something we're concerned about. Once it's gone, it's gone. And, and, and the life-saving yep. drugs and other things that could come out of that, uh, you know, how do you weigh all totally. those things? Yeah, the lungs of the world. Well, so that's, I mean, we, but we have some brands whose sole mission is to actively uh, actively do work in the Amazon, uh, both making their products in, in eco-friendly ways, but also then portion of their sales, uh, you know, funding funding protection in the Amazon. And so, you know, during those those fires, we were able to say, look, if you want to take action, that's the other thing I'm, I'm glad about. It's like, this is a way to immediately take action. Show support for these five companies who are doing, doing work there. I mean, donating to the charities, that's important too. I don't want to discount any of it. The public policy, doing work in politics, that's still important. I felt like it was fighting the other side to an endless tie. Well, hell, these days we need to keep fighting the other side to at least a tie, you know, um, and then uh, continue to support the nonprofit work. But the other way is to show that there's a, a better way of uh, of doing business. Well, it's and great. then. 
It's great to see you, Colin. We are running out of time, but we're definitely going to have you back if you'll come back. Uh, we're going to have a link to your website uh, on our website on NRM Streamcast uh, and also on my uh, theverdshow.com. Uh, yep. So we're going to be promoting you, and and I'll be scrutinizing your site for this for this holiday season, uh, telling you how you need to change it and whatnot. If you do, um, good. But, we want the feedback. We need to always so making it easier, really easier, easier. The really easier it is to participate, the more often more people will it's, it's will choose to, to get involved. You. You know? uh, good luck. Give Hickenlooper my best out there. I hope you're going to give us a new U.S. senator with Hickenlooper. I'm fine. glad he finally got the message that he wasn't going to be president, and and he went down there and is is fighting the good fight at the state level. If only we could have gotten Beto to do that uh, early on before he you know, ran his mouth too much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hey, speak- real quick, you mentioned the holidays. We, yeah, starting next week, we'll have gift guides up throughout the holidays. And then uh, Shop for Good Sunday is our alternative Black Friday. Uh, it's like Black Friday, except you can do good for the world. But our a lot of our businesses still do uh, discounts and deals you know, throughout that weekend and things. So fantastic! You can check that out. Congratulations to you, DoneGood.co. Let me say it for you, DoneGood.co. And again, there'll be links to it on my. Uh, uh, we'll put it on Facebook and all that. And we will talk to you soon, Colin. Uh, all the best. Sounds good, Bruce. Happy Halloween. Great. Yeah, man. You too. Good Thanks. talking to you. Likewise. Take care. You too. Bye. Well, that was Cullen Schwartz. Great to see Cullen uh, doing good things in uh, in the Mile High City in Denver. We're going to switch. We're going to move over to, oh, we're going to have a break. And then when we come back, we're going to introduce Kind of Cool, a Kind of Cool segment on the Verge Bonero Show. Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of the drop-in with Daryl Valley. I'll tell you what happened. G'day, Morty. I got the Szechuan sauce. We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the original blue Power Ranger. Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Well, your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. And welcome back to the Virgin Bonero Show. So we are launching, and from now on, we're going to have this kind of cool section because I think we need to promote kindness. Yeah. Believe it or not. Now, see, we now need some that. of my, my detractors will say Bernero kindness, but the ones who know me have been working with me know this has been a big issue. Uh, there is a movement of city of kindness movement. Uh, and of course, it's a human movement. It's a movement that all of us should and could be involved in. And many people are. Daily acts of kindness. We've heard about random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And so what we're going to do is highlight on every show, we're going to end with kinda cool, where we're going to highlight acts of kindness to remind people that we ought to be doing this. That again, just like we say the highest office in America is that of citizen. When we talk about kindness, when we talk about how to stop bullying or how to stop drug addiction or how to stop suicide, believe it or not, kindness is the antidote. Kindness is the antidote. Absolutely. Kindness is the vaccination against these things. Uh, putting a smile on your face, smiling at somebody, saying a kind word, that could be a, a difference maker. Uh, 
a, 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 an appropriate hug can be a difference maker for people. Uh, you know, I grew up in a family where people were grabbing you by the cheek, pinching your cheeks, uh, giving you hugs in an Italian family. And I think sometimes we don't get enough of that. But I wanted to start, and some, the, so I wanted to start with this clip, uh, some news about what's happening in Milwaukee. I think NPR, I think Public Radio did a segment uh, on this movement. Usually we won't be so politically and kind of cool, but I felt, felt that this gets to the issue of kindness. Um, and it's what's happening in the Milwaukee school. So why don't we roll the tape? I may talk over it a little bit. Uh, but think back to your school days. Oh, we should have played school days, school days, dear old-fashioned, uh, uh, I don't know, rural days. Uh, but we'll save that for next time. Anyway, let's look at what's happening in Milwaukee. Imagine being back in your high school cafeteria. What do you remember? Rectangular pizza, tater tots, paralyzing dread when you walk by the popular girls' table? Check. Navigating the cafeteria social scene can be stressful, so some schools are doing lunch differently. Emily Files of member station WUWM visited a school in Wisconsin where assigned seating is the move. 15-year-old Kylie Berger was relieved when she found out she wouldn't have to wander the cafeteria at her new school looking for a place to sit. At first, I was really hyped because I had lots of different experiences with that. Um, I moved with a lot with middle school, but usually I would like sit alone. So this was, I was like really excited to not, you know, sit alone at a table for a whole year. Kylie is a sophomore at the University School of Milwaukee, a private K-12 school in the suburb of River Hills. Students here are randomly assigned to lunch tables, which rotate depending on that day's schedule. Each has a mix of kids from different grades, with one teacher whose job it is to get the table talking. Kylie says it doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes a lot of, like, it gets super awkward at tables. Like, the conversation usually goes from, like, okay, so how, what, did, what did you just come out of? Um, math. Okay. And that was really kind of where it ends. But administrators say a little awkwardness is worth the trouble. Charlie Husio is dean of students and says the assigned seating improves school culture by forcing students out of their social comfort zones. It's a really valuable way, too, for students to get to know each other, for students to meet new friends and, and to keep the community as inclusive as possible. Suzanne Rice gets excited when she hears about schools rethinking the cafeteria. Rice is a University of Kansas professor who studies the social impacts of school lunch. Kids go to school lunch every day, millions and millions of kids, and they do it year in and year out. And nobody has stopped to really ask, what are they learning through this experience? She thinks breaking up lunchtime clicks is something more schools should consider. A meal is the venue over which adults get to know one another and develop their social skills. But we treat that. So they're doing something different in Milwaukee. Uh, in breaking up the lunchroom. Uh, can you think back that far, Andy? You're younger than me. Did you, I, junior high, I can. high school lunchroom? I can. And there there was a lot of awkwardness at lunches because everyone was very clicky and they, they sat with specific people. But you had these long tables. I went to a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And it was in a, the bingo hall. Well, then, I mean, then it's a religious school. Then everybody was very kind to everybody. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. But it was, you sat, you know, specifically where your friends were sitting. And so if I was in school and something like this was instituted, 
I think it could have helped. I think this would have been great so, to intermingle. You know, I, I think that the cynics and the naysayers will say it's too much government, too much you know intervention, too much control. Like when you try to have teams today, and everybody wants to give trophies to everybody. You know that we're afraid to call winners and losers. Um, I think that uh, junior high, especially. But uh, all, all of school, I think of very awkward moments. We can't do away with all awkward moments. But uh, I like that they're trying something new. Mm-hmm. I think that we get stuck in our ways, in our status quo, and uh, in, our, in our day-to-day. And uh, again, so this is a more organized form of sort of trying to bring a kinder, gentler setting. Sure. A kinder, gentler setting for our young people. And I'm saying, given... The number, given the high rates of depression mm-hmm. and suicide and the problems with bullying, I'm saying it's trying. It, I want to applaud Milwaukee, th- this outfit for trying something different, trying something new. Yeah. Uh, that that we all ought to step out of our comfort zone a little bit, and and not be afraid to do something different because what we're doing isn't necessarily working. A lot of people say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Well. A lot of it is broke. It's broke. And we need to, and so we're going to be exploring this in, in kind of cool in this section, uh, not just institutional, but individuals. We're going to be recognizing right. individuals who step out and do what's right, whether that means paying for the person in front of you who, who you see when you look forward and you see the person putting groceries off the shelf because they don't have enough money, putting down a 20 and looking the other way, just doing a quiet little act of kindness that nobody will ever see. Um, we need that. We need yeah. that. It makes a difference. And when you look at, again, the drug abuse, you look at the opioid addiction, you look at the depression, you look at suicide, way more than what we should have. In a country where there is so much wealth, uh, we need to consider wealth from the individual, wealth of the heart. We need to consider, especially with the holidays coming up, but at all times, what we could do, not, not just with our pocketbooks, but what we could do to make a difference for our friends and neighbors the ultimate commandment, love your neighbor. That's what are right. we really doing in that? And that's what we're going to be exploring time and again in this section, Kind of Cool. Thank you for joining us uh, on The Verge Bonero Show, for tuning in. You can find The Verge Bonero Show on the NRM website, uh, iTunes, and Android Play Store, and on theverdeshow.com. See you next time. <laughs>